you're listening to the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast. We hope this message speaks to you and encourages you. You can find more messages by searching Catalyst Church of Carrollton on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learn more at IamCatalyst.net. Man, will you stand with me? I promise this. If you actually help me preach today, it'll be the last time. I found out recently that you are 7% more focused and attentive when you are standing. So you get sleepy on me, I'm probably going to make you stand up for about 30 seconds. Uh, Say this, say I'm ready to be challenged and encouraged by God's word, by God's word. So here it is. There is a treatment, a very effective treatment for fear, anxiety. I told y'all I'm coming back to this living scared thing. We're going to beat fear and I'm going to show you how to beat it. You get to choose if you're going to beat it or not. There is an effective treatment for trauma, anxiety, fear called exposure Therapy. It is a exposure therapy. When you fear something, you tend to avoid it. You tend to avoid it. And that may help your fear in the short term. But in the long term, it won't just not help you. It will hurt you. And exposure therapy exposes your fears and exposes you to your fears. It has been proven to help phobias, panic disorders, social and general anxiety disorders, PTSD, OCD, all those crazy things that make that drive us crazy, it has been proven to help heal those and bring relief. The greatest growth in my life has happened when what I feared the most happened. When there was no more running, there was no more hiding. It was in front of me and I had to deal with it or it was going to keep dealing with me. And every one of us have two choices. And if you don't make the choice, fear will make it for you. So as you're seated, I want you to tell two people, both choices and my title today, tell two people, say fear it or face it. Go. Sit, sit down too. I, you're like, man, thank God. I'm like, I'm, I'm feeling like, I'm feeling tired right now. They shorten worship for you so you can stand up a little bit longer. Connor's very thoughtful with things like that. I'm not. I'm not at all. I want you to know this, Catalyst. You cannot, you will not succeed faking it till you make it. We talk about it, fake it till you make it. You will never be able to fake it till you make it. You will, you will try and you will feel like a fraud trying. It will never work. Please hear me. Do not fake it till you make it. Face it till you make it. The only way to beat fear The only way to beat the things that are beating you in life or that will beat you in seasons to come is to face them. The things that are beating you, the things that you can't overcome, the things that have beat you for many years are the things that you will not face, that you run from, that you are not honest about. That is the fear, that is the anxiety, that is the trauma, and the only way to beat it is to face it. And I am about to teach through a story in the Old Testament that seems stupid. When critics of the Bible read it, they think it's dumb, they think it's ridiculous. It is brilliant. 
And years before modern day psychology and psychotherapy, this, God was teaching us this if we really wanted to learn and be open to it. And if you will hear what I'm saying and see it for what it is, if you will apply it to your life, this is one of those messages that won't just affect one or two or the main area of your life. It will change your entire life. Your entire life. And God told it to us thousands of years before psychotherapy was ever thought of or discovered. Tell somebody, say, I'm ready. Say, face it. Say it again, say face it. Online, drop a comment, say face it. Third time's a charm, say it to me, say face it. I want to take you, Lord, right now, we need to, I want to pray one more time, we need to hear from, we need to hear you and hear from, from, from you. Help us confront the things that have controlled and consumed our lives for too long because that is the only way to deal with them and to apply your grace and love and power to them. And we can because you love us in Jesus' name. Amen. Say face it one more time. I want to take you to Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21. This is in the Old Testament. This is when Egypt was in an in-between period. We are all in that period right now or in some parts or all parts of our lives. They are no longer slaves to Egypt, but they are also not in the promised land. They are wandering in between. They are not where they were. They're not where they were going to be, but they were stuck where they are. And in all of our lives, in some areas, for some of you, all areas, you're not where you used to be. You're not where you're going to be, but you are stuck where you are and you have been there for way longer than you should have been. And this is where we find Israel in Numbers chapter 21. God freed them from slavery. He said, take the promised land, but they were scared. They had little faith. They weren't taking it and they were wandering in the desert. For four decades they wasted. The generation that God made the promise to actually all died off. Their kids got the promise because they were the ones to face it and take it. Numbers chapter 21. I'm so excited I got the wrong portfolio because I got two of them now. That's how I roll. Numbers chapter 21. Say face it. Say face it. Say face it. We live in a world we put on shows. We try so hard. We push so many people away. We cuss out the cashier because we're mad at our husbands. We cuss out our husbands because we're mad at our boss. Say, face it. It is the only way. It is the only way to ever truly experience the life that God has for you right here, right now. Say, face it. Numbers chapter 21, it says, Then the people of Israel set out, set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around, say around, it's a detour, the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey. So what happened here is Edom was their path to the promised land. It was pretty much the only path that made sense. This is the, not just the shortest route. It was honestly the only realistic route of them taking to be able to travel from where they were slaves to the promised land. And Edom, we find out in other parts of the scripture that Edom did not allow them access to this route. So Israel had to back out. They had to backtrack. They had to take an entire detour that was very long. It made their journey longer. It made their journey harder. This is not just a church our size. This is about 3 million Jews with their families. 
with their, with their spouses. They were, they were a, a huge village, a huge, a huge caravan. They could have starved to death. So they're backing out and they're traveling a detour and they're angry. They're impatient. They're exhausted. There's some things in your life, in this season, in this situation, in your family, in your finances, in the future that you plan for your life and that you're preparing for. And it's disappointing because it's not what you thought it was. It's not what the only, it's not what you've been believing God for. It's not what you've been trying to redeem and restore and rebuild your life and believing God and doing the best you can. It is not what you planned. It does not make sense. The only path that made sense for them was Edom. And they couldn't go that way. And in your life, you're in a place, no matter how old or young you are, you were disappointed. And you really, it's a long way back. It's a long detour. It's a lot of bad memories. A lot of bad mistakes. A lot of burnt bridges. A lot of damage. And it's going to take a lot of work and a lot more time to get to the promise that you know is for you or that God knows even if you don't know it yet. And you don't even, it overwhelms you. You're stressed out. See, what happened to Israel happens to us because the Bible is your story and my story. It's all of our stories. Just looks different several thousand years later. Verse 5, it says, and they began to speak against God. And Moses, we do that. We, we do that. We, we live in a culture, and I believe in it, that we can be honest with God. But really what we do is we, we don't just speak against him. We start living our lives against him. A lot of people come to church and say they love God, but they don't live like it because really they're angry at God. And they speak against God. They spoke against Moses, who was the leadership. They got mad at Moses because Moses was the one that told them what they needed to do. And they began to speak against it because they were tired, they were frustrated and exhausted. Why have you brought us out to Egypt to die here in the wilderness? They weren't living in Egypt. They were just slaves. They complained. There is nothing to eat here. Y'all, this is some crazy stuff. There's nothing to eat here and nothing to drink. And we hate this horrible manna. Listen to me. This is horribly offensive. If you did this to your spouse, your parents, they'd, they'd kill you. And it's so manna is the bread. See, They would have starved to death in the wilderness, not in slavery, but not moving to the promise. They would have starved to death in those 40 years, long before the 40 years were over. But God provided for them manna and bread while they were in their sin, starving, scared to make the moves that they needed to make. And by his grace, he gave them bread so they could continue to at least survive and have the opportunity to move forward. And they had the audacity to complain about the quality of what God God provided so they could actually live. And we have that audacity. We have it. We do it. I do it. You do it. We hate this horrible manna. We'll try what the uh, we'll try the option because they are bickering about things. They are bickering about situations they got themselves in. And listen to me, I know, I know that you're trying. A lot of you, you're trying. But you acted a fool for 20 years. It's not going to be fixed overnight. And you're here because of his grace. You're able to sit here and not under the ground. Or, or, or. You're here because of his grace, his manna in your life. 
And what we do is we blame God for things that we're either in or we, did, we, we didn't get ourselves in, but we're the reason we're still in it all these years later because we let bitterness and wounds and insecurity and trauma and fear take over our life. And we are in the situation. It may look different. You're complaining. You're guilting everybody. You live in shame and project because we are complaining and bickering about the quality of what God has given us, and we should be grateful for his grace. You shouldn't be here. You should be divorced 17 times, not six. You should be fired from 20 jobs instead of just having like three a year because you have no consistency because of his grace. The problem isn't with God. It's never with God. The problem is with them, with my heart. And there's some things that I need to confront in my life and in your life. Tell somebody, say, say, say grateful. Can you just tell two people near you, just say, be grateful? Because we do that, we get vindictive and we get angry and we really don't realize that his grace is while we're here. Oh, this is crazy. Verse 6, it says, So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people and many were bitten and died. Who sent the snakes? Can we say that a little bit louder? Can you speak that over the snakes and the situations that you're in that you don't know how to get yourself out of? Because can we, who sent them? A lot of times we just go with the whole excuse and it makes us look really uh, have no uh, depth in our Christian faith. We say God allowed it, but he didn't do it. Well, that's true sometimes. Sometimes you just made dumb decisions. But there's some things that God did not just allow. He ordained in your life to shake you up enough to see the truth. Because if you're not, you're not going to be able to live the truth until you see the truth and face the truth. And so we need to stop just assuming that God allowed it. There's some things that God set you up to corner you because he knew that the only way you were ever going to heal and have an abundant life and peace here instead of die having not lived too young, too old. It doesn't matter how old you are if you never lived. He knew the only way is your back was going to be against the wall and you were going to have to be put in a position where you lose everything to find him. And so sometimes the snakes and the situations and the trauma, God didn't just allow it. Your dumb decisions didn't do it. Sometimes God loves us too much. That reckless love we were singing about is he loves you too much to let you die, not realizing how dangerous you could be if you got your crowd together. And he will put you up against the wall. He will put you in a tragedy. He will let them leave you. He will let them hate you. He will let the slander tear your heart apart. He will let your wife, your husband cheat on you. He will let your kids hate you because it is better for them to hate you than to you continue hating yourself and not finding his love for your life. He will do it. There's some snakes that you've been rebuking that you don't need to rebuke anymore. You need to look in the mirror and put one foot in front of the other and seek him. There's some people, as many people worship up here, there are some people that every week that need to be up here more often and need to go home and worship there too because Sundays aren't enough. And so he put their back against the wall. He sent snakes. He put, them, he put some snakes right in front of them. And it says, verse 7, then the, then the people came to Moses and cried out, we have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. They finally were like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. 
It wasn't me, it was you. I took it back and I took it all back. Then the Lord, then, so Moses, 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 Moses prayed for them, for the people. Then the Lord told them, make a replica. This sounds ridiculous. Make a replica of the poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. Say face it. They simply look at it. Sounds ridiculous. God, you made the snakes. Why can't you take the snakes away? Because he put them there for a reason. So Moses made a snake out of a bronze, out of bronze and attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at it, focus on the bronze snake, and be healed. Y'all, what I'm about to tell you uh, deepened my faith in my walk this last year. And I am not at all going to apologize for it because it's some excuses that I made. I had to hit myself in the heart with, some excuse, with, with the excuses I've been making for years. God says, I want you to, this is how I want you to deal with the fear that you're dealing with, with these snakes that are biting you and killing you. I want you to set a fake snake up. And when the real snakes are biting you, I want you to focus on the fake snake. Okay? Now, you need to know a few things. It sounds ridiculous. It's brilliant. It's profound. It is long before psychology because the scripture truly is supernatural. This is going to sound crazy. Their snakes weren't their problems. It was their current problems. But their sna- the snakes in Israel's life predated and actually were much bigger than the real problem, than the snakes. Hear me. The snakes were an issue. They were a symptom of the problem. See, you may have terrible, terrible health issues that come from the cancer you have. So the symptoms are a problem, but it's a sign of a much bigger problem. Pancreatitis, when you have pancreatitis, pancreatitis in your problem. Pancreatitis is like a fever. A fever tells you your body's fighting something, sit down. So the snakes were not their main problem. Israel, you can see throughout the Old Testament, dealt with a lot of defects, a lot of dysfunction. They struggled with a lot of heart issues. And alcohol, for example. Alcohol isn't a problem. It is a symptom of a problem. Alcohol will kill you. If you don't quit drinking, alcohol will kill some of you. But alcohol is a sign of a much bigger problem. So I know the snakes were killing them. And I know the snakes were scary. And I know the snakes were consuming because every season has some snakes and some different ones. And some of the same ones that you've been dealing with for too long. But the snakes weren't really the problem. Okay? But this is what changed my life. God told them to face the snakes. Face the symptoms. My excuse my whole life, I grew up, you know, my mother was really deep. She was into Christian counseling for years. I hate superficial conversations to this day. If you talk about something I'm interested in, that's fine. That's why I don't like kid movies. Unless I, Charlotte will wow me, I'll get nap time one or the other. But I don't like kid movies because I just grew up. I never got to be a child. I just, I was always that thing. So my excuse from the time I was seven to the time I was 30 something was, that's just a symptom of the problem. We've actually learned to use that as an excuse in our culture. 
Oh, I'm not going to deal with that. That's just a symptom of the problem. I'm not going to talk to them about this. They just, that's just a symptom of a much bigger problem. I'm not going to deal with my addiction and my, and, my, and my bitterness and my anger. And I'm not going to deal with that. It's just a symptom of the problem. Well, according to this verse and this passage, God said, you want to start, what you need to do is start with the symptoms. Look at the face of the snakes. Face the snakes. You want to start somewhere? Yes, there are deeper, 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 so deep that only God can understand, not even you, of why you have no boundaries in your life, of why you can't manage money, of why you trade sex for love and have temper and trust issues, of why, uh, I can just throw some other stuff out there, but you see where I'm going. I get that we all got deep junk that we don't like to feel and we don't like to admit and it consumes us. It's overwhelming. We don't know what to do with it. God said it in Numbers 21, face the symptoms. You don't have to figure it all out before you face the symptoms. Here's the deeper truth. You won't figure it out until you face the symptoms. Not in your life. So you don't have to know. You have to be self-aware when you face snakes. Be aware when you're projecting on your spouse and you need to STH you. You don't have to know why. You don't have to deeply look and say, I'm treating my husband like my daddy treated me and it's not my husband's fault. Or I had no mother, so I hate women. And I have been. You don't have to start by dealing with your snakes, man. I did this my whole life. I just ignored the symptoms. But you know what happens? Symptoms and snakes pile up and you end up getting killed because of snakes. Because of symptoms. Like alcohol, like alcohol is the symptoms. If you struggle with addiction, your addiction is not your problem. It is a snake. Your bitterness and your trauma and the way it, your triggers, that is a snake. The insecurity that you live with, the way you smother your friends and in your relationships and, and you, ex, you have a totally unrealistic expectations because you can't be alone because if you're alone, you feel unworthy. Handle the snakes. Don't overthink your issues because what you're going to do is you're going to stay stuck in them and you're going to be consumed by them and you're going to end up wasting your entire life, not just four decades. Start with the symptoms. Say face the snakes. Face the snakes. Start with recognizing when you're, when you're actually, when you know that in your heart uh, you're doing some things to try to get acknowledgement, approval, affirmation, attention, and when you're lashing out because you don't get it. You don't have to figure, we always say, it's just a symptom, right? It's just a symptom. You know, I'm not going, it's just a symptom in my life. That's a symptom. Well, you know how you, you know how we find out what type of diagnosed disease? Symptoms. You know how we find out mechanical issues, what's wrong with our car? You want to really figure yourself out and find the Lord and find yourself and grow and be honest with yourself? Start with the symptoms. Seek the Lord and start with the symptoms. So it's not petty to say, I've got to deal with, I've got to go in a room and realize that I'm anxious, but I still got to go in the room. Online, I'm talking to you. I know there's some of you that you're beaching it up. Some of you, you just can't be here today because you got sick kids. There's some of you that you need to deal with some snakes. And the only reason you're not here is because you're terrified of crowds. I don't know why. You may not know all the reason why. You probably don't. Start with the snakes. Start with the symptoms. Face them. Face them. Face them. Face them. 
Because if you don't face them, you will continue to fear them and they will continue to define and dictate your entire life. And God sent symptoms into their life so that they would begin to face the symptoms. Say it with me. Say face it. Say face it. You have got to face it. God says, put a fake snake, face the snake while you're getting bitten by the real ones. Life is going to bite you. People are going to bite you. It's going to happen. And when it does, you need to face it. You need to feel it. And you need to process through it. And if you do not do it, you are going to continue to fear it. And that fear is going to deepen. And that trauma is going to take over. And fear is going to rule your life. Seems so simple. It's because it is. Say face it. Face it. Face it. Face it. Face it. There's some conversations that you need to have with some people. You should have had them years ago. And that's why you're sitting in your wilderness. You're going to spend your life running from snakes, afraid of snakes, and being a snake until you face your snakes. Say that with me. Say, I'm going to spend my life. Now say it with me. Running from snakes, afraid of snakes, and being a snake until I face my snakes. If you don't begin to face and confront the things in your life that are controlling your life, you will, you, will, you will never beat it and you will eventually become it. And thousands of years ago, God said to Israel, the solution to all of our fear and trauma and anxiety, face it. There will always be snakes. There will be, uh, snakes will ac- accumulate and consume you in every season. Start with the snakes. You need to have some hard conversations. You need to confront some people. And honestly, some of you need to confront yourself because you've been hurt so bad, you have now become the one that hurts. You used to be the victim, but now you haven't faced things for so many years, you're the victimizer. And so you don't need to have any more conversations with people. You need to start with yourself in your own heart. You need to begin to address some things in your own self and look in the mirror. You need to confront it. For some of you, you were at a place in your life, you're at a crossroads, and you need to have some conversations. Spouse, kids, coworkers, friends, you don't get to mistreat me and disrespect me in this way anymore. Uh, uh, you need to ask for the raise instead of building resentment and being scared to ask for the raise because you're going to end up hating somebody for something they didn't even know. You're going to hate a job, and if you'd asked for the raise, you'd have either gotten a reason to have resentment and move forward, or you're just going to sit there and guess, and you you could have gotten a raise years ago because we let fear control our lives and we don't confront it. We expect people to guess what we're dealing with. People all the time get mad, especially in church. You didn't know. Nobody called me. Nobody cared about asking me anything. We cannot read your mind. I'll tell you no if I can't do it and you ask me, but I cannot read your mind. Your kids, your grandkids, they cannot read your mind. They got to live their own life and live in their own mind. They can't read yours. We need to have some conversations. You need to begin to speak your mind, but also you need to begin to look in your heart first. There's some things in your life, if you don't face them, they are going to continue to manage your life for you. And you're going to let fear and trauma dictate and define your life because you didn't choose to do it. Fear, you get to choose. And if you don't, fear chooses it for you. Tell the truth, no matter how bad it hurts. You may lose some people, but you'll be able to live with yourself. And it's been a long time since you've been able to live with yourself. I'd rather live alone 
And that's just coming from somebody. I'm a people person. I like time alone, but not too much. And I'm going to tell you, I'd rather live alone with the truth than have to live a lie around everybody. The truth will set you free. It will hurt you. You may lose some people that it'll hurt you. They may hurt you on their way out, but the truth will set you free. And you better live with the truth and live with a lie. By the way, I'm talking about that next week. Quit. Quit faking your feelings. Quit running from your feelings. And quit being ruled by your feelings. Because feelings may feel real, but they are not facts. And if you let them dictate and define your life instead of face your feelings, you're going you're gonna to ruin your life. Face them. When you feel something so raw in a moment, why don't you take a beat instead of go cuss somebody out that you can't unsay what you said? And even if you felt that in a moment, late, in a moment later, you're going to realize that was so wrong. But you can't unsay it. Because you don't face your feelings. You live and let your feelings define your life. Say face it. Quit fearing change. Oh my gosh, if there's one thing that I wish I could preach more and more and more. The fear of change is, it's sin. It's, it's one of the most destructive sins in our culture. You never even get open to, you never open yourself to the possibilities because you hate change. You won't even make better financial moves because you're so scared of things changing. It is disobedient to the Lord and it will not, it will cost you. It is not just a sin, it's a costly one. So baby girl, um, baby girl, uh, she had a good plan after she graduated college. She wanted to, uh, she wanted to uh, uh, work at UWG and they hired her full time and she wanted to get the tuition assistance program. So her job was not in her field, but it was a very good plan to get her through grad school. And you know, she don't, she's not a very, out of all our children, she's by far the most impatient. I mean, it's bad sometimes. I'm pot calling a kettle, but still. Um, so uh, she wants to get married to Will the Wonderful. And we're like, hey, so she's going to do what she wants to do. So she was kind of discontent. Things weren't working out the way she wanted. And so uh, I could see she was discouraged one day texting me. And she was being a little petty, but it also was real. And so I said, you know, I don't get to take baby girl on dates once a month like I did for years because that's Will's job now. He has to feed her. And, um, and, uh, and I still go on dates. As a matter of fact, I spend more money like the Braves game on dates because we don't get them once a month. She gets spoiled. She just gets spoiled by Will, too. She gets double. Psh. It's his money. It's his credit card, not mine. Um, so I was like, she needs a date. We need to talk. And so I sat there and listened to her, and I said, uh, I heard her, and I said, well, baby girl, you know, you're never at a place where you don't have options. You just got to start. Uh, maybe there's some possibilities if you'll stand in front of some doors and you'll uh, figure out some things. God will open up some possibilities and there's another plan. And um, so she immediately did it. She's lived with me long enough to know that's what I preach. You don't get to sit wishing and wondering. You better make moves. And if you don't make moves, don't wish and wonder and complain like Israel did because ain't nothing going to happen if you're not open to it. Oh, you may fear change, but what I fear more than change now is living and experiencing less of life because I stayed put in situations I should have pursued change. Oh, fear of change don't get me nearly as much as the fear of not changing. So anyway, I told her, I said, put some, put some, put some resumes out there, figure it out. You know, God will open something up and, or he won't. 
And you know you need to be obedient until he does. Well, she, I think she that week she put in a res, updated her resume, put it out there. It may have been that week or the next. She got an interview. They hired her that week. She got a job. She, her, her major is sociology, psychology, and she's definitely very gifted in counseling and therapy. But she doesn't. There's a lot of options there. She got a job as a behavioral analyst technician, I want to say is what it's called, making way more money than West Georgia. And she's going to be able to pursue her grad degree in that. It's very rare that doors open that quickly and clearly, but it does not open if she doesn't stand in front of it and just whines about her situation. She, she, she made, stood in front of doors and let God open them because it was just not the situation she planned it to be. Shaconda McClendon, Jessica Henry, who are a part of our church family. I am so proud of them. Missed them for a few Sundays there. They're here now. They started a food truck. They're killing it. Probably at some of our church events, when things get back rolling consistently in the fall, we'll probably use them at some point. They're killing it. Shaconda's already quit her job. I don't know about Jessica. I didn't get to ask you. Oh, they're killing it. You know how you kill it? Being open to change. You know how you stay in the situation you're in? Not being open to change. You know how you continue to have the marriage that really isn't fulfilling and the team dynamic that it should be? Staying put and not talking about it. And then being married 60 years with somebody that you really never had conversations that truly could have confronted the issues that y'all were having and you end up regretting it when you have to bury them one day or you get divorced too soon because you really had a good thing going but you didn't work it. We don't like change and it is because we fear it. And the fear of change, you got to face it. I just, I want to have more time with my kids. I wish I, well, you're working a job. Worse than working a miserable job is a mediocre job. And saying, I wish I had more time with my kids. And 40 years later, the only reason you didn't have more time with your kids is because that job was just good enough and put food on the table. Seen it many times. That is not a God problem. That's a you problem. That's a me problem if I don't make moves. I've cost myself in 36 years. I just don't want to, I want to learn. I've done the same thing. I've stayed in a lot of things and six seasons too long because I, because I just didn't want to change. I, didn't, I was scared to change. And I didn't face it because we all fear change. You'll stay in bad relationships because it could have been worse. Well, they, they didn't beat me down. Well, we don't like change. We don't like change. Say, face it. face it. And the only way to confront fear is to face the symptoms because you really don't get to learn about yourself and about your Lord until you face the things, the symptoms, and get under the hood of your heart. Say, face it. Face it. Say, face it. If you don't face it, you are going to continue to be wishing and wanting for more but never really being open to it, just like Israel. God made the promised land promise to the generation that died because of the snakes and several of them before because they were not open to it. And their sons and daughters took the promise, not because it was made to their parents, but the sons and daughters took it and faced it. And that's the only reason why. They were the ones that when God said something ridiculous like put a bronze serpent up, they were so desperate. They looked and focused. Now watch this. New Testament. John the Baptist said this about Jesus. The day, the next day, John, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, say that with me. Say, Look, the Lamb of God that's come, that, uh, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Every Jew that was around John the Baptist in this moment recognized the reference he was pulling from. He said, Look, behold. 
the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sin of the world. Every Jew understood what John was saying. He was saying, just like our people, our ancestors had to face the bronze serpent. That's who you look and face now. He is the one that how you face fear. You want to face fear in your life? Face it with Jesus because you confront it with Jesus. You will not beat it alone. You will not beating it, isolating it, thinking, oh, I'm just spiritual because I watch a bunch of sermons. You face it with Jesus because seeking the Lord and listening to sermons is not the same thing. And John the Baptist told them all those years ago, he said, there he is. The same way that our people had to face the snakes to eventually beat the snakes and take the promised land. This is the way you face fear, Jesus. This is how you face it. Jesus in John 3 is talking to Nicodemus, another Jew. And he says, Jesus says this, y'all. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Jesus pulls from his people's history. He says, I am that serpent now. They will lift me up on a cross. This is before he was crucified. I will be lifted up. I will be nailed to a cross. And this no longer a serpent. You're no longer alone. You face me. You focus on me. Don't focus on what you got to overcome. Don't focus, on, don't focus on all your mistakes and the shame and the trauma and the bitterness and the things that you cannot even see straight emotionally or physically because you were struggling. The bills. Don't look at your kids that have hurt you. Don't look at your kids that you did the best you could and they still turned out wrong. He said, focus on me. He told a Jew, he said, I'm going to be lifted up and I'm who you focus on. Behold the Lamb of God. Face me focus on me seek me not your spouse's approval not social media's approval not the people in your life that's always your parents that you always had to have them love and accept you focus on me what we do on Sundays is to start a conversation in your heart with him every other day of the week focus Jesus said in John 12, and when I'm lifted up from the earth, just like then, he's talking to Jews. When I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. I. He will change your life. He will rebuild your marriage. He will restore you. He will redeem you. There are some things inside of you that he wants to raise you to life and raise some things to life inside of you that you never thought lived or ever existed. But you've got to focus on him. That's how you face it. That's how you face the things that you don't even think you have the strength and energy or the emotional willpower to face. You face him. Focus on him. Seek him. You do not need to live scared and ashamed. You are not too traumatized. You are not too damaged. You are not done. You are not a bunch, of, a bunch of water under the bridge that can't be redeemed. You are not. Jesus said, as the Son of Man will be lifted up, I will draw men unto myself. It is his job to change you. It is your job to face him and focus on him. I don't know where life has you. But to be able to face your snakes, you need to face him. Not hide from him. Not be angry at him, not blame him, face him. You want to build people? 
That's our job as a church. That's what we exist for, Catalyst. We want to, lo- our vision is to love God, love others, and lead, a- inspire others to do the same. We are called to build people. Jesus built people. And he was really good at it because he's God. He's God. And it is his job to change you. You are not too far done. So this is what we're going to do. Next week, we're having a baptism. We planned it at the end of July. We'll do it then too. But we're going to do a baptism. We already got some people signed up because some of you, your next move to begin to focus and, and, and hone in and put your sights on Jesus is to be baptized, whether it's for the first time or again. So we're going to have sign-ups in the lobby. Baptism is a way to say, behold. John the Baptist was baptizing when he said that. He said to all the people, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Some of you, it is very simple. We overcomplicate it because we don't want to get in front of people and we don't want to get baptized because it's a commitment and we don't like commitment because we're scared of commitment because we have trust in temporary issues, anxiety issues. Well, some of you, your next step is to get in that baptistry next week and we're going to baptize you and we're going to celebrate the fact that if you focus on him, he will not just heal you of your snakes. He will heal your heart, change your life and use you because the power of God will work through your life whether you're 99, broken, not broken, prideful, I don't know what you're dealing with. I know he does, and he'll deal with it if you'll let him. Online, I know that I, I, I didn't communicate. Throw my email up, baby. Reach out to me. Uh, drop a comment in the live post, or if you watch it later, let us know you want to get baptized. We'll sign you up. We'll reach out to you. We are going to celebrate it next week. I ain't waiting. This culture is, we are at a time in our country, it's time to rebuild and refocus, and Jesus has told us how to do it. Behold. That's how you face it. Face it. Face me. Face me. Face me. Face me. Will you, back, will you stand with me? I don't know what your next step is. It may not be baptism. I want you to know we're here for you because we're here to build people. We have counseling. We have, we're here for you. You can reach out to us. We're here to help you grow and serve and seek him every single day. I don't know what you need, but I know Jesus does, and we're here to make it happen because that's how families grow together. Tell somebody, say, face it. Will you bow your heads with me? I know that there's some people right now that you need to make some decisions because you have to decide to face something. And people say that decisions are cheap, but honestly, it starts somewhere. you got to start with the symptoms, so let's start with the decision. You know that you've gotten away. You know that you've backslidden. You know that you've lost focus. You know that you've lost yourself. Or some of you, you've really never committed your life to the Lord. And salvation is just the start. That's why I don't preach fear, because God, we settle in a culture that they're just saved. No, God wants to do so much more than save you. He wants to heal you. He doesn't want to just you to escape out of this life eternity no he wants eternity to be in your hearts right now every single day and some of you know that you haven't been you haven't been honest with yourself in your own heart you need to face some things right now and so if you know that you need to make a decision and commit your life to the Lord I want us all to pray this together for the benefit of the people that are praying it for the first time or a recommitment y'all ready together y'all ready online you can pray this with me Say, Lord, I love you. Help me let you love me. Change my life. Help me die to myself and live for you every single day. I commit my life to you.
I surrender my life to you every single day. Thanks for listening. We'd love to know your story. Let us know how this message impacts your life. You can message us at info at IamCatalyst.net. We're here for you and we are for you. If you have a prayer request, you can message us at prayer at IamCatalyst.net. To keep up with what's going on at Catalyst Church in Carrollton, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Jesus cares about you, we care about you, and we hope you join us again on the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast.